Hello, it's Friday the 27th of October and welcome to Paper Cuts, the Large Hadron Collider of the Daily Press, where we accelerate the papers to 90% of the speed of light to break them down to their fundamental particles. Speculation, fear, puns, obsessions and gin. I'm Andrew Harrison, in for Miranda Sawyer. Thanks for joining us on the Independent Paper Review and thanks to everybody who's helped us stay that way by joining the Paper Cuts Supporters Club. You too could get the podcast with a little extra and no ads, plus fab mugs and t-shirts. Just visit back.papercutsshow.com. That's B-A-C-K dot to find out how. There's a link in the show notes. Now here is the news. God knows I wish it wasn't. AI am the walrus. Surviving Beatles complete their last song using artificial intelligence. Will you still call me when I'm 64? What your phone habits say about your age? And paperback writer, artist puts 6,000 copies of The Da Vinci Code into a pulping machine and sends them into copies of George Orwell's 1984. Why? Welcome to Paper Cuts. We read the papers so you don't have to. We always say we read the papers so you don't have to, but of course we want you to read the papers, otherwise there's nothing for us to talk about. So go and buy one as we say hello to today's panel. Welcome back to comedian, writer, and stand-up comic who once did a set with a baby strapped to her, <laughs> Athena Cugleno. Hello, how are you Hello, doing? Hello, I'm good, thank you. Have you got a baby strapped to you right now? No, I unstrapped the baby and they're outside drinking an espresso. Excellent. So, yeah, that's what we want. parenting. And returning to paper cuts, she writes columns for CNN, she's a Huffington Post veteran, and apparently she needs no sleep at all. It's Holly Thomas. Hello, Holly. Hello. I presume you don't have a baby strapped to you. No, I can barely stand up. Okay, fair enough. So what have we got on the front pages today, Holly? So on the daily front of the Daily Telegraph, um, we have Putin welcomes Hamas to Moscow. Um, it says, West warns of access of terror as Iranian and Hamas officials hold talks with Russian envoy. And then next to that, we've got a massive picture of Duran Duran saying, we've refused to do Glasto. That's the best contrast in the world, that Putin, Hamas and Duran Duran. (laughs) Bit of everything. Yes. Guardian, uh, it says, Israel stages raid into Gaza as new phase of war begins. Um, Just very bleak all around, very, very sad photo on the front there. And then to the right of that, we've got MP Blunt arrested over rape and drug allegations, um, which is a reference, of course, to Crispin Blunt. Then on the front of the Times... Uh, We have 200 Britons trapped in Gaza plead for help. And Sunak promises to do everything we can as Border Force sends officials to Egypt. Again, just a really heartbreaking photo in the front of a child. Um, And then on the eye, Tory turmoil as Blunt arrested over rape and drug claims. Uh, Tory MP for Rygate is confident investigation will end without charge. This is one of these remarkable stories where it's huge and it's seismic, but people can't say anything about it. Obviously, for legal reasons, you just have to report that it's happened and nothing further can be said. Athena, what have you got? Um, so we've got the Mirror, who leads uh, the Mirror leads with the headline "Save Them." Uh, King Charles has met with charities calling for an end to bloodshed on both sides. Yeah, and it's a really that's a really shocking photograph of a, a, a kid basically covered in blood. It's just genuinely I think and I think it's the ch- it's an injured child um and there's clearly uh he, he's the child is clearly um been in proximity to some kind of attack and yeah. there's a lot of images of of children being injured in in this particular conflict. It's mm-hmm. it's almost an angle yeah. for, for the conflict now and, and it's what the it's what the papers can do really well just like bring you the photographic impact of of what's going on. Yeah, I mean it's it's uh, it's a, a tragic picture, yeah. um, and you can see why they chose it because um, it's the, this child is clearly injured, clearly miserable, and clearly personifying 
mm. what's happening or, and what people perceive to be happening. Yeah. Um, and 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 this is why Prince Charles is, is saying ceasefire for, on both sides. Mm. Yeah. And the male. Uh, the male, a senior Tory MP arrested over rape and drugs. And we can leave it there. We can leave it there. <laughs> so, they, they also have a fantastic pic. Uh, they've got a picture of the crown. The, the crown is back here. Yeah, the season we've all been waiting for. Yeah. Like, come on, guys, let's get to the good stuff. It's the, it's the Diana season, you know. Mm. Um, and, and there is somebody who has been made to look like Diana. She's doing the head tilt. The head tilt, um, head tilt. The, the makeup's on point, the earrings are on point, the hair, the hairstyle. Um, this is Diana. She's back. I wonder will the hairstyle come back in general, like when George Michael had one. <laughs> I think I think we're going to see a lot of Diana fashion in the new year. Well it's do. all going to it's all going to come back. Uh, we've got the son, uh, who's that son is leading with the story about this MP two MP in rape and drugs arrest. Um, we've said it three times mm -hmm. now. Um, and uh, Taylor Smith is obviously we, we recorded her album, and she uh, is next to this MP two. Okay. And the star. <laughs> you look so thrilled about Taylor Swift. <laughs> I just feel a bit sorry for it. Yeah. <laughs> and and the star. Um, they they have leaded grumpy devils. Um, don't blame your other half for being in misery. They're possessed by Satan. Uh, and I was, you know, I mean, there you go. All of our problems solved right there. We know. Well, now. it's like if I'm not sure that the Prince of Lies, Grand Marquis of Hell, is that bothered with me not putting the bins out. Well, I think you're fine. They are. Well, so maybe, put the bins out, okay? It <laughs> it's settled here. Yeah, hail Satan. Now, the papers seem absolutely terrified of AI, possibly because it's going to put all the journalists out of jobs. It is in the papers pretty much every day now. It is one of those rolling stories that you kind of piece together your perspective tale by tale. And there are two chunky and very contrasting stories today. The I paper not the AI paper, the AI paper has, world has less than a year to rein in AI threat. Rishi Sunak is setting up a new AI safety institute and next week hosting the AI safety summit at Bletchley Park, home of code breaking. Holly, what's going on here? Yes, so uh, Rishi's called the summit at Bletchley Park, uh, which is, of course, where the um, the Enigma code was famously broken. Mm -hmm. So I think he's sort of making a big deal about, but you know, this is a center a center of you know innovation. Um, but also, famously, Alan Turing warned not to use the code too quickly because it would warn the Nazis that we that we had it. Mm. So I think that that's kind of setting the tone. He's basically like, well, there's this huge existential threat. Um, it's going to take over the world. It's the end of humanity. Um, don't worry, guys, we've got we, like we've got it all covered. Um, but yeah, he's kind of like, there's a lot going, you know, there's so much going on, but we need to be really careful. Um, quite thin on the detail as how he's going to actually sort out. Yeah, he's got there's a, the, his dire warning, which I think we got highlighted down there is pretty kind of apocalyptic. Yeah, he says, get this wrong and AI could make it easier to build chemical or biological weapons. Terrorist groups could use AI to spread fear and destruction on an even greater scale. And yet later in the same speech, he's going to say, this is not something that people need to be losing <laughs> sleep over. So, oh, well, so don't terrify us and say, but it's fine. It's going to be OK. That's, you know. Yeah, I mean, it sort of, it looks quite a lot like a bit of a legacy bid for him. Not too many sort of practical things. Perhaps he's sort of aware that the opportunity is not going to be there for him to implement any any real policy in, before too long. Um, but yeah, he basically, basically wants to make the point that like Britain is the place where we're going to sort this out. Uh, the EU and America might have something to say about that. Well, this is the question, is it? Because how can we possibly, on our own, sort out an issue that is, uh, you know, where China is making the running, where 
independent American corporations where the regulation is extremely light touch, what are we supposed to do? Well, ex- well exactly. Like, we obviously need to be involved, but the idea that we can spearhead it is um, is pretty laughable. Like, loads of the tech is already in the hands of these, like, pro- for-profit organizations. Mm. And there's a, you know, there's a big debate about, like, should we open source AI? Because then it's kind of everyone has access. It's fair for, like, smaller companies, fewer, you know, hoops to jump. Equally, though, if we do that, then, you know, terrorist groups will have it too. But that's something we just can't do it without America on board, China on board, and obviously also the EU. Um, and a lot of global leaders aren't showing up uh, to, to Rishi's summit. Um, Biden's selling, sending Hamler. I don't think Macron's going. Um, so yeah, it, it's, it's a bit ambitious, to right. say the least. Athena, are you worried that uh, AI is going to put all the comedians out of jobs? No, I'm worried that very attractive people with green screens in their houses and, you know, filming themselves <laughs> on social media are going to put us out of jobs. Right. Do you know what I mean? It's the influencers, it's the online content creators, you mm. know, who are putting us out of jobs. I'm not worried about um, AI. And I'm not worried about um, Rishi Sunak doing anything about it. These people can't remember their PIN numbers to mm. get out WhatsApp messages. Yeah. So what are they going to do about AI? AI, we, when we got an app that could listen to a song and tell us what that song is called, we weren't afraid. Okay, that's yeah. AI. AI is making our design easier. People are afraid of AI mostly because it's going to remove a lot of white collar work. Um, mm. You know, as we know, terrorists don't need AI to cause terror. They can get into a van. Mm. Uh, so this is really about Rishi Sunak go running out of things. You can't build trains. You can't build schools. Yeah. What can I do? I can stop AI from doing what? Making our lives easier. Thanks, Rishi. Appreciate it. But this is also the guy who tried to fill up an electric car with petrol. Oh, we'd probably be better off with an AI prime minister, if I'm really honest. Um, well, I mean, he does sort of strike that note sometimes, doesn't he? Maybe he is AI. Hands. Maybe it's a distraction technique. Like, hey guys, I hate AI. It's rubbish. It's like but, an amazing like <laughs> CBBC show. The Prime Minister is an AI, and only two kids in <laughs> one school know about it. Yeah, and your mission is to unplug the Prime Minister. Um, but it's not all bad on the AI front because uh, there's a story across all the papers that uh, Paul McCartney and Ringo Starr have used AI to complete one final Beatles song uh, from a bit of John Lennon vocals that they had from the last time they worked together in 1995. They couldn't quite get John's vocals right. They couldn't extract it from the mono demo um, that they had. Athena, this the, the Mirror has this story. Yeah, the Mirror has this story. So if you remember mu- music technology in 1995, it peaked at basically your disc man not jumping. Yes. So that was as good as, as music technology got. So they obviously couldn't, it was never going to do justice to John Lennon's vocals. The Beatles have decided that now is uh, the time to use technology to record uh, their, their final single, their next single, single. who knows, uh, it's called Now and Then, and it's got all four vocalists, it's got George Harrison on guitar as well. I think if you can do this, this is good, but Jimi Hendrix would be nice. Do you know I mean, Amy Winehouse yeah. would be nice. Like, haven't the Beatles got quite a lot of songs? <laughs> We've got a lot to choose from, haven't we? Yeah, I it's from a diff- different era though, isn't it? I mean, the Beatles stuff is... You know, we are now at the level of almost turning John Lennon's answerphone messages into Beatles songs. And with people like with people like Amy Winehouse, lots of it was kind of re- recorded and preserved at a high level. And you can actually, you know, it doesn't take much work to to get it out. With this, it's like John Lennon going, ah, oh, maybe eggs and a pint of milk. Don't forget some bread. Uh, don't, forget, <laughs> don't forget to pick up Sean from school. I can't take, I can't take your call right now. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, 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 bring back the novelty voicemail uh, message. I I think this is almost like something they're doing for them. Um, and I guess there are a lot of Beatles fans, uh, which is which is great. But I feel like if we want to bring people back, like Jamie Amy, Amy, Ryan House only had two albums, right? Mm. Jimi Hendrix, how many 
mean, I was, he was just one. He was way before his time. Um, or even Bob Marley, you know, bring someone else back. Well, the question is, it's like how much Beatles or how much Bob Marley or how much Jimi Hendrix does it have to have in it for it to be a legit piece of their music? I mean, is it down, if it's down to a little bit of Ringo Hi-Hat, is it still a this Beatles is, song? This is, uh, homeopathic, homeopathic Beatles. So this is basically a tribute band, isn't it? It's an AI tribute band to act themselves. and to themselves. And if I was a tribute act, I'd be very, very afraid. And these are the people that Rishi Sunak needs to protect from AI technology, the tribute act. Okay, so because otherwise, what's you know, if you happen to be, if you happen to look like John Lennon right now, mm. and you have to sound like him, and you make your living out of those two accidental tributes, you're in trouble. So it's bad news for the bootleg Beatles. Very bad news. Mm, okay, Holly. Apparently, the song's uh, not very good. Well, conflicting reports, it's fair to say. So, like, in 1997, Paul McCartney told Q magazine that it had been shelved because George Harrison didn't like it. Um, And he said, yeah, it didn't have a very good title. It needed some reworking. Lovely verse, had John singing it. But, you know, George wasn't into it. And the Beatles is, after all, a democracy. Mm. So, So they canned it for a bit. Uh, he later clarified to The New Yorker that Harrison had called Lennon's demo fucking rubbish. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, who's to say? We're, we'll be the judge, I suppose, when it comes out. I'm just like imagining a kind of institute, like get back, put a big row. It's fucking rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> The Telegraph is obsessed with age for some reason, couldn't possibly because of the age of their readers, and they've got a corker today, still calling people, the way you use your phone reveals your age. New Ofcom stats suggest we're using messaging instead of calling. And Athena, this is actually quite a good format, isn't it? They've taken the idea of how people use telecommunications at different ages, and they've interviewed somebody from each of the decades, in your 20s, in your 30s, in your 40s, in your 50s. Obviously, all people from within inside the Telegraph universe. What did you make of this? I thought it was spectacular um, because it's so accurate. I've never yeah. seen such accuracy in the Telegraph. I never thought, and I'm glad it's on record now. I've read something in the Telegraph and I think, wow, I quite agree with you. Telegraph, with it's yeah. a winner. <laughs> it's, it's a winner. You finally won me over. So they have got somebody who represents each decade uh, of, of person, 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, and 70s. And they've asked them how they use their phones. And this, it's, if you didn't know how old they were and you just read their testimonies, you could tell. Right? It's yeah. amazing. It's completely accurate. If you're in your 20s, your phone rings, you're terrified. Okay, yes. Because you have to pick it up and there's a voice at the other end. And as we know, people in their 20s don't like to talk to other people. We like to touch screens mm. and then get our and get, get, and get our chips. Um, not when I said we, I'm <laughs> my inner <laughs> child. In your 20s. I'm talking about my inner child. Yes. But it's completely true. Um, I, I am starting to feel anxiety now on my phone. It's like, what do you want? What do you want? Yeah. Oh, communication. If, if a landline calls, I don't think you have to be in your 20s. If a landline calls, it means either means somebody's died yeah or it's a scammer on the other end trying to get your bank details no it means my house is haunted I don't have a landline okay there it means go. it means it's, it's, the, it's the exorcist is coming um, in your 30s it's kind of like oh I will I, I will I will text but really I oh sorry I will call but really um, I prefer a WhatsApp uh, or maybe a little voice note but absolutely no SMS right. okay no SMS anyone who's sending an SMS is like you might as well get two yogurts and a bit of string and That's throw me. that at me why is that what, what, who killed texting I don't, I, you know I thought I was old with my uh, Apple iMessages. I bet, and I bet you still use semicolon bracket as opposed to an actual emoji. I do, yeah. yeah. I mean, that means you might belong into the further decades as the we go 90s, along. I'll move, yeah. I'll, I'll move along to people in their 40s um, who there's a little more talking. There's a little more talking, but not a lot. Uh, but the people in their 40s hate voice notes, okay? People in their 30s, we hate them, but we see them as practical. People in their 40s, you say, if you send them a voice note, you might as well be sending them a bit of poo in an envelope and sticking yeah. it for their front door. I feel um, like that. It's, it, honestly, and um, I'm, I'm, it, it, it just, this, I'm in my 40s. This described me 
accurately um, because sometimes I will tolerate a phone call. Like I'll, I'll be angry when it rings and then when I know who it is, I'll be like, oh, I'm so glad you called. Mm. You know, so it's that kind of journey. It's a journey of, I hate this. Oh, I like this. Um, and let's skip to the 70s, which is basically, <laughs> this is really funny because when you, it starts off with, when we lived with my grandfather, so you can already <laughs> get a sense of how these, this person feels yeah. about conversation. They like it. We're talking about phones, love. Phones. I don't know. She wants to start with a story about her grandfather and they lived in a pub and they worked. And basically her thing is, I want a landline. I don't want anything digitized. I don't want anything that flashes up. I don't want flashes or beeps. Fear or, of the future. Uh, fear, fear of the present, mm. you know. Um, and that's like my mum. Uh, she only wants to talk on a landline. If you text my mum, she can read, but she'll just pretend that she can't read. You know what? They, she looks at her phone and she's like, oh, it's a text. But because it's on my phone, all of a sudden I'm illiterate. It's my, just impossible. My mate's dad, uh, if you emailed him, um, his wife had to print it out and he would read the printout <laughs> of the email, which I think is de- that's real dedication to the bit there, I think. That's just stubbornness, isn't it? I, I stubbornness. like the woman in her 40s, because obviously these are people from the Telegraph Extended Universe, a very particular kind of person. And the woman in their 40s says, I enjoyed the ambush factor of a of a, of a landline call. And then it says, she's a PR. Well, of course you enjoy the ambush factor. You're a PR, trying to catch people when their guard is down. Exactly. To do things they wouldn't otherwise exactly. do. Exactly, you get them with their pants around their ankles or something. But the, great, the best thing about her was she was like, WhatsApp is great for chatting, and making arrangements. Mm. How organised does WhatsApp make us with the WhatsApp groups? It's the, the wedding party WhatsApp group and the birthday WhatsApp group and holiday WhatsApp group. We, we do love that in our 40s. I can't lie. We love it. Holly, how do you feel when you get a landline call? Do you even have one? I don't have a landline, but I find calls from landlines to my mobile more sinister. So like, I would, I would cat- categorise a call from a landline, landline as like chaotic bad yes. and a call from a known mobile number like good or like neutral, also chaos. I actually quite like a mobile phone call from a friend. Like, I, it makes me feel special. It's like, you know, unless I'm in trouble. But well, like, like getting a telegram, old fashioned. Yeah. They rang me to speak to me. It's like, oh, you're, you're taking some time out. That's, that's nice. You have no idea how long this is going to last. But yeah, landline calls, it's like, I don't know, it's like the grown-ups calling to tell you you're in trouble. It's like, oh God, it's either going to be a doctor or like a company that's like, oh, I've got bad news. You owe me a million yeah. pounds. Yes. Now to the business end of the newspapers, the merciless discipline that sorts out the real newsroom warriors from the part-timers, the bit that everybody remembers, the headlines. We at Papercuts consider ourselves headline connoisseurs, and we're always on the lookout for one that can match the head on the New York Times' story a while ago about the feeding habits of eels. When an eel climbs a ramp to eat squid from a clamp, that's a moray. I thought that was almost a work of art, like a haiku. It's Friday, which means fix the headline day. We found a story with a substandard headline. And if you can send us a better one on Twitter or threads, we're still not saying X, then you could win the coveted Papercuts t-shirt as bottled today by me. This week, we have a story from The Star, which uh, really has to be seen to be believed. The summary is, a child's teapot has a rather phallic-looking spout and is in flesh-coloured plastic. The headline, Tee-hee-pot, which is a complete waste of an opportunity. This woman's gone mad that um, she's got what she thinks is a a kind of penis-based child's tea set. There's got to be a better headline out there. You must be able to do it. So send us your fixes on social media and you could be the next winner of Fix the Headline. Meanwhile, in the actual papers themselves, what gems have we spotted today? Holly, what have we got? 
Right, so in the Daily Star, we've got a noble effort to make a quite boring story sound a bit more exciting. So basically, passengers are facing a rise in plane fares. Um, and this is coming not very long after like a massive IT meltdown in the summer in which apparently loads of flights were cancelled. I wouldn't know, I don't go on summer holidays. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, so basically... Passengers have been hit with fare hikes, and the headline is Con Air. I am quite impressed by that. That's a, that's a good use of character counts. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's brief, I'll give it that, but I feel like Con Air gets used a lot. It does, I suppose it yeah. does. And I thought you have another from the star as well? Okay, this is actually a lot more fun. Like, in, for, for the actual story, I, yeah. this is the one. Okay, so the sedate world of bulls is being taken over by boozed-up brawlers. Is that how you say bulls? <laughs> yeah, I think <laughs> it is bulls. I yeah. feel like these are like, they're all on their landlines, these people, all of the time, right? Um, so basically, outraged French lovers of the game um, have... Uh, claim it's been gangrened by drunkenness and violence. It's been what? Gangrened? Gangrened. So it's getting mouldy off of violence Very, or something. I, I do mean, not understand like it's, that, yeah. Yeah, like it, the flesh. Bleh. Anyway, so yeah, umpires in one region have threatened to boycott qualifying for the national championships. Who knew there were national championships? It's in France. Yeah, I mean, incredible. So, yeah, oh, an amazing kit picture caption um it's like a guy's bum and he's holding some holding some bulls by it and it says fear game is full of passion Ooh, exciting and the headline is the headline is petanked up that's pretty good yeah you know it's, it's a, you know the idea that like petank itself is pun worthy possibly the only time petank has ever appeared in the start yeah or gangrene <laughs> gang- I don't, gangrene i really really don't understand uh, so we athena we've just heard about the start and you've got the other big dogs of the headline oh, game yeah. the sun i've got three in the sun first of all a half half baked greg bosses have been rid for opening a shop for just 90 minutes that's not long enough what has the sun got to say about it Greg's 90-minute steak break. Steak break. Very steak good. break, you get yes. it. But there's also like another one in, in the picture caption, uh, flaky opening times. Ooh. Yeah, we like that. It's, that's that's nice. And But I, I, it is important. If a Greg's closes early, it should make the news. It certainly um, should, yes. It absolutely should. Um, page 26, what have we got here? Now, what have we... <laughs> a couple were caught romping. Romping is the newspaper's favourite. <laughs> Excellent tabloid word. Yeah, it's favourite word for sex. Love it. Fancy a romp. Um, that wasn't, that was just, that wasn't. Oh, not right now, yes. <laughs> <laughs> a couple were caught romping next to a busy supermarket in front of shocked families, and mm. they should be shocked. Um, unexpected Eiffel in the bagging area. That's <laughs> pretty good. All, full of it. Eiffel, bagging area. Are we talking about the bagging area or the bagging area? Do you know what I mean? Uh, well, um, I'm surprised yeah. you can go with unexpected Eiffel in the bonking area, but, you know, <laughs> or the shagging area, but then family newspaper. It's great. It's 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 fantastic. I really enjoyed mm. that, especially because um, shopping self-supermarket self-checkouts are quite hack, so they found a way to make that quite fantastic. And um, this is a good one. Obviously, uh, we've all, we all know Rachel Reeves has written a book and mm. she wrote the book by going on the internet and copying it and pasting it onto a word document and sending that document to her publisher um it's not alleged it's there you can see it um <laughs> their headline rachel thieves oh dear rachel god Reeves, i've got rachel a horrible thieves. feeling this one's gonna dog hair for a long time um well the thing it's a you know it's a book about women in in economics she was is touted as a new um chancellor it's uh it's a big own goal isn't it Finally, what about the features, the advice columns, the think pieces, the hot takes, the cold revenge, all the bits in the middle? What's stopping the news from crashing into the football results today? Holly, the Times has a story of the artist David Shrigley pulping a load of copies of the Da Vinci Code and turning the resultant wood pulp paper 
into copies of George Orwell's 1984. There's going to be 1,200 copies of uh, the new 1984, and each one's going to cost 495 quid. What is going on here, and why is it happening? I don't know. I mean, that's <laughs> that's a big markup from Oxfam prices, isn't it? Mm. Apparently, the whole point is that, like, you know, our books will get massively popular for a while, and then, you know, the, it all dies out, and then there's loads of copies. But, I mean, yeah, I feel like... It it would be more interesting if he'd like done something different with each book. He could have done like a bit of origami. He could have you know he could have like made a mural or something. It feels it's just a bit lazy. Um, and apparently, like he says, it's not literary criticism, but but um, the Da Vinci Code isn't his cup of tea. Um, and again, like ugh, it would be it would genuinely be more fun if he just had a vendetta against the Da Vinci Code. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a bit like mm, you know makes you think. About yeah. His, yeah. Well, it's like, apparently his reaction to the fact that. Uh, there are so many copies of the Da Vinci Code knocking about that charity shops won't accept them anymore. And so there's this, this is a, a vast kind of Dan Brown mountain lurking around. So something has to be done with this. And there's quite an interesting sidebar in the Times where they, where they just go, what well, used to happen to books. Yeah. Apparently, 2.5 million books were used as the top layer of the M6. So yeah. you're literally driving on Mills and Boone. I mean, that's genuinely more useful. Um, yeah, it said apparently um, after... Fifty Shades of Grey. After that whole fuss died down, mm. there was an erotica mountain of unused Fifty Shades. And again, like I feel like even that would have been more fun. So my mind has just like wandered off to the erotica mountain. Where is it? Yeah, like I don't know. I, I just feel like it's kind of oh, I'm sort of being controversial, but everyone is always talking about 1984. I mean, like if you're going to do kind of like weird, vaguely crass art, like turn Fifty Shades into the Bible or something. Like I, I don't know. Like, it is it, a, a little bit sort of self, but actually, it's quite a lot self satisfied. Isn't it? I'm going to tell this trash garbage. I'm going to take this trash garbage and turn it into something that's really worthy and worthwhile. I mean, there are enough copies of 1984 in the world. They don't cost 495 quid. And you might kind of scoff at Dan Brown's Da Vinci Code, but blockbusters like this are what finances the publishing of little tiny books. That might only reach a thousand readers. Yeah, hundred percent, and they're fun for like three hours. Like, what's wrong yeah, with that? Um, keep your nan quiet. Yeah, and he's yeah. Apparently, Shringley says something like it's he's sort of doing alchemy, like he's turning base metal into gold. It's like you didn't write 1984. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, well, I just wonder what George Orwell would have made of this because he was like kind of not keen on the destruction of books and things like that, was he? he was... No, definitely not. I think there was a quote in 1984 that's like, oh, you know, the records will be wiped, the books will be rewritten in a very, in very much like. A negative sense, not yeah. like the books will be rewritten. Like, you know, the so. future is a boot stamping on a Dan Brown Da Vinci code forever. Yeah, <laughs> it's um, yeah, it's 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 a weird move. It's a shame. I like I like David Shringley's paintings. I don't know. I, don't I never really thought I could feel sympathy for Dan Brown. But yeah. Athena, what do you think? Um, I think we live in an attention economy. This is a great example of it because he's gotten two of the most famous books in the world and he's changed one into the other on the pretense that one is highbrow, one is lowbrow. Well, really, it's all lowbrow because if you want to look intelligent, you say, I've had 1984. Yeah, you've all read it, mate. Do you know what yeah. I mean? That's what... <laughs> well, it wasn't written to be highbrow and exclusive. It wasn't. It was written to, to set out to people something that was quite hard for yeah. them to see. That's the whole point of it. And it's why it's so small as well. Yeah, it was written to um, sell. Yeah. Exactly. And, then, um, and the Da Vinci Code um, is a really really good book it's a page turner which enjoyable it was a decent film as well and um, it taught me where the Last Supper was is 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 because for my whole life the Last Supper was just a picture on someone's wall so replicated I'm like oh it's on the side of a church no idea guys I didn't know so it's educational um, so I see what he's trying to do but because it's the attention economy we think it's good because it's made the papers because it's got these headline things yeah. actually it's just like god it's hack it's boring sorry yeah. mate I mean you're better at art than me but this <laughs> you know I won't deny that um, but this doesn't mean this is this is 
is not as meaningful as he thinks it is, is it? Bless him. Yeah, we see what he's trying to do. We just <laughs> wish he wouldn't do it. Um, meanwhile, in the mail, in the middle bit of the mail, uh, the mail has taken a break from telling women what they're doing wrong with actually for a change, quite a positive story, uh, which also splashes on the front page. How fashion fell in love with the much older woman wrapped around the fact that uh, Dame Maggie Smith has got an ad campaign for low. Um, they've got quite a lot of older women in their prime advertising high fashion. Athena, tell us about this. They do, yeah. Um, how fashion finally fell in love with the much older woman. Finally. finally. After all these, we've been wearing clothes for so long. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. so long. 10,000 years of wearing yeah. clothes. We finally um, got around to we it. We finally got around to, to liking older women as all with all things with the male. It looks uh, lovely and inclusive and impressive. And then you realise it's only lovely and inclusive and impressive um, if you are an older white woman, if you're an older thin woman, and if you are quite glamorous. I mean, there's a lot of beautiful stuff here, but you wouldn't wear it on a Tuesday to Asda. So there's some there's some hot hot looks here. There's uh, who's the, in yellow. This is Iris Apfel, 102. Iris Apfel, 102, looking fabulous. Um, if I don't like her at 102, I'd be very I'd be very happy with myself. You know, she looks amazing. I think we should celebrate people of all ages. I think we should celebrate people of all ages looking beautiful and glamorous. Uh, but um, all ages, all body shapes, <laughs> all ethnicities. You know, and this is also very ableist too. You know, there are lots of older people who might struggle to move or maybe have conditions. This is not represented here, uh, but you know, it's a start. It's a start. It's a start. I mean, I suppose apart from them all being white and thin, they're also all rich. They're oh, all so rich. Yeah. Yes. So, so wealthy. They don't, they, don't, they don't need their winter fuel allowance. Well, you know absolutely I mean? not. I'm just thinking like, you know, is there a kind of 80 plus equivalent of you know, like street style, like they used to do in the Face magazine. What's the kind of what? What? Yeah, I mean, eighty-year-olds in dungarees. Yeah, uh, that's the or, and Timberlands. Yeah, you know, what's Missy Elliott going to look like in forty years? That's what I want to see. I, that's, a, that's actually a good thought. Well, I, I was going to ask you. I mean, if if uh, if this this spread was to be a bit less pale, who ought to be on it? It would be our. It would be Moira Stewart, wouldn't it? Do you know mm. what I mean? Moira Stewart, uh, maybe Floella, Floella Benjamin is, yes. is is making the House of Lords. Trendy. Yeah. And <laughs> Michelle Obama's not quite old enough, is she? She's like 60s. She's in her 60s. I mean, um, Diane Abbott's pushing 70. You know, mm. Diane Abbott should have, re just should have rebranded herself as a style icon, moved away from politics and just started wearing mm. Jaeger or whatever, yeah. or Jaeger. Is it Jaeger or Jaeger? Uh, either way. Uh, what, what do you feel like? <laughs> just be you. Either way. Yeah, but there's a yeah. lot of there's a lot of people in the 60s, 70s, 80s who aren't white, skinny and known for being entertainers. You could be, who could, could be uh, the, at the front of this movement as well. The Mirror has a story about the nation's favourite dynamic duos, but if you want to know about them, then you're going to need to sign up for our supporters club. Good news, your favourite history nerds are back. Yes, we at We Are History have been trawling the history shelves of our local bookshops. Well... I have, John. You mostly went round finding your books and moving them to the front of the displays. If I can find them, it's a bonus. We are ready to tell you all about what we've learned, from the revolting French to some revolting women. Via some Brits abroad and a foul-mouthed Irishman. So, download We Are History. Our laughable attempt at a silly history podcast. With me, John O'Farrell. And me, Angela Barnes. Wherever you get your podcasts. And that's the end of today's Paper Cuts. Thank you to Athena Kublenu for joining us. 
Thank you for having me. You're welcome. <laughs> and thanks to Holly Thomas, who's been awake for 48 hours straight and is now hallucinating her own front pages. Thank you, Holly. Thank you. <laughs> Go and take a sleeping pill. Listeners, remember, it's your generosity that keeps paper cuts running and proudly independent. So please think about chipping in a little to keep us going and free from the interfering hand of the man. By the way, if you are listening, the man, we are open to any and all offers. To everybody else, you can get the show ad-free for as little as £3 a month. And if you support us a little bit more, you'll get extended episodes with extra stuff plus snazzy papercuts mugs and t-shirts follow the show notes to back.papercutsshow.com to find out more now the gilded media release that are our supporters get a shout out on the show and here are some of the latest money bags to bankroll our foolish venture he's large and in charge thanks for the cash to jamie collins Hello to Pierre Trufer, the backer every podcaster dreams of. And from me, big shout out to high-rolling Paul Bezik, a man who puts his money where our mouths are. We love you all. I've been Andrew Harrison, and you've been listening to Papercuts on a day when we learned that Britain's loneliest sheep has been marooned at the bottom of a cliff in the Scottish Highlands for two years. Don't worry, though, a rescue mission has been launched and drones are checking on the sheep's welfare. Back on Monday. Thanks for listening. Have a great weekend. <laughs>